You know that you've been going through this series uh, over the last few months, and and in this, what we're gonna, re- what we're reading today, and what we're gonna look at today, we really see that Paul um, really desires to return to visit the people who he was able to share the gospel with, and and so this is part of his third missionary journey when he goes to, to, the, to this city and is able to, to plant a church, to plant the gospel, to share the good news of Jesus to the people in, in this city. And so he's writing to encourage them now to remain in their faith, to remain true to their new life in Jesus. And so what were some of the causes of them to, to fall away from their new life in Christ? And if we look in, in verse two, chapter 2 and verse 2, Paul says that he had, he had suffered and been treated outrageously in Philippi. And so they went from Philippi, which is just a little bit to the north, and they go down into, uh, into this city, and he shares the gospel, and he's thankful that, that they were willing to receive the message of this of this new way of life and so some of the causes of 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 them falling away is just people wanting to for for them to to lose their faith and in chapter 2 verse 14 uh, through 16 he says uh, that he prays that they'll become imitators of the churches in Judea which are in Christ, because the churches in Judea suffered from the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus and the prophets and also drove them out. And so lots of times also suffering can cause us and cause anyone to, to lose their faith. And so Paul is concerned that suffering could be a cause as well. And in, verse, in, in chapter 3, verses 4 to 5, he says, in fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted, and it turned out that way. And so persecution is also a cause, and it was a concern for Paul that they would, that they would uh, lose their faith or in some way forget or some way turn their back on this new, on this new faith that they were receiving in Jesus. And there will always be uh, reasons for anyone, for us, for them. This was Paul's concern. It's it's a concern for for any church leader. It's a concern for God, because God desires for each one of us to continue in this new walk, in this new faith, in the, in this new way of life in Jesus. And, and so he's, Paul is sharing three, three ways here, Re, religiosity, being too focused. And we can remember in, in Acts 17 when Paul arrives to the city and is sharing, and he ends up being chased out of the city by the people who should have been able to receive Jesus. The people, the, the, the pueblo de Dios, the people of God, they were the ones that should have recognized the Messiah, recognized the Savior, been able to, to see throughout the story of the Old Testament that God was promising that someone was going to come. And, 
Instead of receiving that message, they also persecuted Paul and, and his companions, and, and they have to leave, and they, or they're actually taken out of the city at night, it says. I think you probably have seen that and can remember that story. And they go to Berea, to the next city, and there the people, the, the Jews, studied more closely more scrupulously the the word of God and we're able to see, ah, okay, we can see the bigger picture of what God's up to, that God has been promising to send somebody. And so I think religiosity is something that that can cause us to fall away from the purity of the simplicity of following and coming to know Christ and coming to know that that, that life that God is wanting us to receive through His Son. And we can oftentimes create a lot of traditions or um, uh, we can get too focused on having to do things a certain way in church and, and get wrapped up in the ways that, we're, that we do things in church and, and start to make all kinds of rules just like the Jews had done. And Paul's coming along and saying, no, it's not about keeping rules. Pleasing God is not about anything other than allowing him to come in to us and filling us up in a new way of seeing the world, a new way of living, a new change and transformation of heart. And that's what the gospel is really about. And so he's concerned here in, in, in writing this letter that they don't get caught up in, in traditions, religion, uh, forming uh, anything that would come in the way of the simplicity of just knowing God, coming to know his son, coming to know the way that he desires for us to live. And he's, he's worried about persecution because just as they were persecuted in, in, in this city and had to leave the people that stayed behind, they, I, we don't know the whole story, but we know that they also received a lot of um, uh, opposition to this new way of living. And there's always going to be opposition to uh, people trying to live by faith and trying to live uh, in God, trying to live in this countercultural uh, lifestyle that, that God calls us to because we all know that the world has its values and has its ways. And anytime there's a change, anytime that there's uh, uh, a message of a different way of living, there's always going to be opposition. And that's what, that's what they were uh, being, uh, that's what they were in, uh, confronting as well here in, in, this, in this letter. And so Paul is sharing with them. Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't turn your back. Don't return back to your own, your old way of living. So Paul had all kinds of opposition. There will always be people who are unwilling to learn or, or, or not willing to hear or grow more in, in faith and in a new life. People... Just quite simply, we're, we're, we become comfortable in our own ways, in our own beliefs, in our, in our own walk. And usually it's not until something out of our control happens in our life. And then all of a sudden, 
when the tables are turned over, when everything was going smoothly, and all of a sudden, something happens. That's often when we turn to God. That's something that happened to, to me even in these last few months. When we were discussing with the church in Saskatoon, our overseeing church, about our futures, and when we were praying about this and, and, and discussing our long-term plans, and when the, the direction was becoming clearer that the churches in, in Ecuador that we were working with are, are in a healthy position and that it might be that God is calling our family to, to do something else and, and that that might mean leaving Ecuador and leaving a dream that I always had to do foreign missions. It, it became tough. It was one of those moments where I think I... I know uh, Alicia knows very well. It was tough. It's tough whenever change comes, especially when we're talking about plans and dreams and our future and not being able to know and see exactly uh, what is it, God, that, that you really desire for us? What is it that you need me or us to do in our walk with you because we understand that that you are our creator that you give us life that you give us breath and every moment that we have is because of you but what is it that exactly that you want us to do and we all come to those places in our lives in those moments where we're wondering where is it God what is it what is the future um and it's in those moments where I think God wants us more than ever to afararnos, to grab hold of Him. And that takes faith. That takes a lot of courage. And it takes a lot of humility where we say, no, God, my, ha- my life is in your hands. And I saw this so many times and so many people in Ecuador and it's it's encouraging to me it, it it motivated me and even the fact when we had to say to them God's calling us to something else and we're not exactly sure what that is but we know that we're going to have to separate from you and we won't be together on a daily and weekly basis we'll be able to continue to visit you in the future but and we'll be able to, thanks, thanks to the internet, be in contact with you on a regular basis, but we're not going to be able to see each other face to face. It was hard. But at the same time, the people who I had seen overcome incredible struggles in their lives, in their walks, was an encouragement to me. One person that comes to, to mind is Carmen. I don't have... A picture I should have had. A, oh, she was one in the slides. If you noticed, a lady being baptized in a in a trough, basically of water. She was one of the ladies that we got to know through uh, our community English classes, and she decided that she was going to give her life to Jesus and, and became a Christian. And that was a wonderful experience. But as we got to know her and got, got to know her story, she's a single mom of three and, and she had a, a lot of challenges in this world. And then we found out that she has 
that each one of her children have a different dad, and we were wondering about that, and we found out that her first husband died when he was in his 20s and, and left uh, Emilio and Carmen alone, and so Carmen in her, in her desperation, they don't have the social um, uh, net that we have here in Canada when there's people that uh, are living in dire straits. And so she ends up in desperation, hooking up with another guy, having an, a beautiful daughter, Carolina. And, and then with her and her two children, end up being in an abusive relationship. And so when we got to know her, she was just coming out of that relationship and trying to find another guy, and she ends up being with another guy. She ends up having another beautiful son that's about the same age as, as my, little, my little guy, Curran, and, and we were able to work with her. And as during the last three years as we worked with her, we were able to help her to see that she doesn't need to rely on guys or or other other means people that don't truly love her but within the church family that that we were able to work with we were able to show her the true love of God and fill her life with a true family of believers and so now Carmen lives on her own with her three children and and she lives on she provides for her family by selling 10 cent cookies. And she goes to school an hour early in the morning, an hour early at pickup time. And so they're, they, they, we're talking six in the morning. She's out uh, with her kids in, uh, at the school and she's selling her cookies and she's able to make 10 or $15 a day selling cookies. And on that, they're able to live. And it's, that's the kind of example that I think they got, that, that Paul, we can imagine Paul writing to the church here and saying, don't give up because if you stay faithful to me, I will provide for you. I will provide for all of your needs, your emotional needs, your physical needs. And that's what I see Paul saying here. And so in 2.17, we didn't, we didn't read this part, but it's part of our, uh, the, the verses that I was given to talk about this morning. He says, but brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, but not in thought, out of our intense longing, we made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Certainly I, Paul, did again and again, but Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. And so we can hear, he's using words like being orphaned. We can hear him, the pain of Paul being separated from this new group of people that God was raising up here in this city. And, and we can hear his emotion, how 
how much he desires to continue to walk with them and to continue to see their faith and see the, the, them experience the fullness, the fullness of all that Christ is wanting to do in their hearts and their minds and in their lives. And Paul is wanting them to, to he wants to ensure that they catch the vision of all that God is trying to do in their lives, not only as individuals, but collectively through them. And not only through them, but also in their city and, and ultimately throughout the world. And isn't that the, the goal of the gospel? The goal of the gospel is ultimately for my life to be transformed, yes, but through as my life is transformed and God is glorified more through me and I am collectively and in my, in my church, uh, we collectively become a, glor- a, a, a glorious representation of this new life and of the love of God. And then ultimately, as we are filled with that love of God, collectively, we learn to serve others, and we learn to make a difference in the world. And so God, Paul, and, and uh, through the Spirit, is wanting the church here to catch that same vision of the depth of the abundant life that, that, that he desires for us. And so the gospel is not just a story about my individual salvation and my ticket to heaven. Instead, it's a much bigger story that we're we're drawn into. It's an invitation into the life of God and into His desire to transform the whole whole world. And really, I can relate uh, to this longing and and this desire of Paul to return to, to to the city, to share with them, to share with them the depth of everything that, that, that he wants them to experience in the new life in Jesus. And, and even though God is calling us now back to, to Canada, our hearts will always be tied back to all the people's lives that, that you were able to see in the video this morning. And, and, and I know that God will provide for us to be able to make return visits and, and take take other people, and hopefully the young people that we'll be able to take in the future, just like Travis was able to take people from the congregation here, hopefully they'll, as they experience other parts of the world, they'll be able to get uh, a bigger vision of the work that God's wanting to do in the world. And so every time we think of people like Paola and Lucia and Berta and Susana and Patricio and Diego we will pray that the gospel will continue to take root in their lives. But oftentimes God uses his missionary servants to to plant seeds, to make a difference, but then he moves us on to other works so that people can, the people there can learn to rely and grow solamente in Cristo, only in Christ. Right? Because ultimately, that's what each of us needs to do. Each of us needs to learn to mature in our faith to the point where we can grow together. And that's why we need each other. That's why we need each other so that we can grow deeper. So God will always move people in and out of our lives. 
even though it's hard. And sometimes we can think, and I can imagine that even this morning, in the churches in, in Ecuador, they're thinking, how are we going to move on without Travis and Alicia? But I know that God has been working in their lives and preparing them for this moment. And God will move people in and out of our lives. And at times we'll think, how can we move on without that person who was such an important person who helped me grow spiritually? And that's when we learn again to rely more on God. And sometimes we will have people move in in our, our lives and we won't even be able to know the influence that we've had on them. Uh, we won't know how much God, how much we were able to plant God's love in their hearts. But the question for us is, as people, God brings people into our lives, can those people see the alternative lifestyle that God desires for them in the kingdom? Can they see that in our lives? Do they feel, are they experiencing God's love as he brings them into our lives. And, and that's ultimately the question because that's what we want. We want to make a difference for the Lord, for his kingdom, right? And so I can imagine that some here this morning might think, I can't, I can't really relate to what Paul's talking about here or that desire because I've never done missions. I've never had that, that experience of starting something new or or sharing the gospel with someone and and them having to move along or us being separated in some way but I think each one of us understands that ultimately this is what God desires for each one of us he wants each one of us to be an an influence in the lives of others right he wants each one of us to he wants us to be that testimony and the question is, if, if we're giving God glory with our lives, can God's people, can, can they see that God's love is alive in us? Yeah? And so we have, we have to see the bigger picture of what's going on here in this story, in this letter from 2,000 years ago. Because this was a, a, an incredible countercultural movement. It was, it was something that the world had never seen before, and it was all begun by a man named Jesus who was a Palestinian peasant. And, and because of his lifestyle, and because of the difference that he was making in people's lives, this story was now spreading across the whole Roman Empire and was... was making a, an incredible difference in people's lives. People groups, like people who never spoke to each other before would not have any association, would never consider having somebody from another culture come into their homes. We're now meeting together and having fellowship meals together on a weekly basis, on a daily basis. Jews and Gentiles, rich and poor, male and female. Females were no longer seen as second class or Travis Dose <laughs> citizens. <laughs> right. It was, a, it was amazing for the world to see all of these people who before lived separately, living in harmony and trying to, trying to 
trying to make a, a, a new kind of community. And that's the beauty of what God's trying to do. The world had never seen anything like it. And, and this is because this has always been God's dream. God's dream has always been to recreate the world back to his original intent. To see people living in love and harmony. And that's what we're called to do. And so in our final verses that, that we read this morning, um, in, verses three, in chapter 3, verses 10 to 13, Paul says, Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. So again, he's sharing this desire to return to the city where he was able to plant this church, to see that they're growing in their faith. And then in verse 11, he says, Now may the Lord, our God and Father himself, and our Lord Jesus Christ clear the way for us to come to you. May the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else just as ours does for you. May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when the Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. And so here I see kind of three keys, some keys that, that Paul is wanting, is trying to share with the church there for the f gospel to flourish, for this new life in Christ to really cultivate. And, and, in, verse, and in verse 10, he, he speaks about prayer. He says, night and day we pray most earnestly that we can see you again, that you and that God will supply anything that is lacking in your faith, right? Prayer. It all starts with prayer. These are three, the, we're going to look just quickly here at three vital ingredients that I think we need if we're going to grow in the divine life and participate in his dream to, to recreate the world and to unite people back together. And it begins with growing in prayer into this deeper relationship with God, in this connection with the divine, with the spiritual life, the contemplation, fasting. I used to think, what, what on earth is fasting all about? Until, until, until I, I come to realize the importance of really connecting with God and really being in tune with what he is trying to do in the world. Because I think for a long time in ministry, especially as a younger guy, it, it, I, I used to rely too much on my hopes and my dreams and my energies and, 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 and me. <laughs> and it wasn't until... I came to realize, and I think over the last 11 years, through all the different experiences that we've had, that really we're just being caught up into something much bigger of what God is trying to do in the world and in our lives. And so the more we connect with Him through contemplation, through nature, through silence, through mystery, the, the more I learn to shut off me 
and all the noise that we can hear constantly in society. It's then that I can hear the true voice of my creator, of my father, who can guide me and lead me and lead us into a deeper life with him. And so really this is a, a, the spiritual life is, is a battle. It's a battle of egos and it's a battle between my ego and our egos and the life of God. And only one of them can win. And so this is what Paul is talking about here in, in, in verse 13, 3.13, where he says, May he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of God and the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ with all his holy ones. Because we're being called to live a holy and blameless life. And Jesus tells a, a parable of the soils and says, there's going to be all kinds of reasons for the design of God's, uh, for our lives to not take root. Worries, riches, temptations. Do any of us deal with any of that in this world? <laughs> Every day, right? The worries, the riches, the temptations. And all these things are caused because of our egos that are still in charge. And so one of the basic prerequisites for, for passing the exam of, uh, uh, or to be able to enter into, the, into a course of spiritual life is to first die to ourselves and to our egos. Jesus says that if we want to be his disciples... If we really want to live that abundant life, if we really want that to take control in our lives, what do we have to do? We have to die to ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him. We can no longer be in charge. And this is what faith looks like and what it requires. I don't know if there's anyone here that, that, I think in Victoria, because you don't get so much snow, there's probably some plant lovers in this, in this congregation. I'm terrible at growing plants. Um, they say it's so easy. You just need some sunlight, water, and some soil, but I manage to butcher it every time. And, uh, and I think, and, 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 and you think, well, what could go wrong? But uh, I think uh, I've learned very easily that everything can go wrong. And it's because you have to have that perfect balance, right? And I think it's the same in our spiritual life. If we're out of balance, if we're too focused on our worries, desires, the temptations of this world, we're not going to be able to receive that divine life and not let it take root in us to grow us and turn us into the beautiful, healthy people that, that God desires. And so the first thing that, that, we're, that we see here, one of the key ingredients to growing in the divine life is, is what Paul says here in verse 10 about prayer. And then in, in, in verse 12, he says, may the Lord Make your love increase and overflow for each other. 
And I think this is, for me, the second key to growing deeper in the Christian life is growing deeper in our Christian fellowship, in our, in our, connecti- our connectivity. Connectivity is, sounds like a good word in English. Um, and, th- and that's because that's been God's design for us right from the beginning. He never designed for us to walk alone. He designed for us to live in deep community. Deep community and communion with him and with each other. And that's what Paul's prayer is for the church here. And it's something that I think we need to continue to explore How do we really grow together into this deep walk with each other on a spiritual level? And leaving Ecuador is hard in this way for us because we had formed a deep spiritual family there. And now we're having to leave it and there will be a void in our lives and in their lives. But it inspires me to reform that deep connectivity, connectiveness with others in the future, wherever God ends up uh, placing us in, in ministry in his kingdom. So it's not enough for us to just meet on Sundays. I think each of us have, have felt that before, right? We, we need to... We'll, too easily be swayed by the values and the temptations of society will too easily be able to fall away. We need to learn to, to put these spiritual growth practices that we we're talking about, contemplation, meditation, silence, but learn how to do it on a communal level too because I think we're good. Some of us are learning the importance of that in our individual walks, but learning to do it together, getting past that, that, you know, that weird feeling of, you know, praying with other people. Sometimes it can feel a little uncomfortable. And God's saying, no, I have so much, I have a whole ocean of, of depth that, that I want you to experience together as you grow together in love and, and are serving each other, taking care of each other, meeting each other's needs on a spiritual level. Do we have that level of friendship and, and relationships in our, in our lives in the church? I think God wants us to see ourselves not just as a single bird or, a, or an eagle, flying in the sky. Instead, he wants to see us as a whole flock of birds that in perfect unity and unison can, uh, can, can fly and soar and keep each other accountable and keep each other growing and keep each other strong. And I think that's the image that God in Paul is trying to express here and something that we need to grow deeper into. And so the third uh, ingredient that I think for us to experience the divine life comes right after in verse 12 where he says, may the Lord make your love increase and overflow for each other and for everyone else. And for everyone else. And so I think here we're talking about growing deeper in our love for others who might not yet be experiencing 
this kind of community, this kind of spiritual walk on an individual basis or, or within a church family. And so our love for everyone else, I think he's talking about our service, where he's talking about the way that Christ in the multitudes made a difference in people's lives, where he was willing to, instead of sending the people home hungry, find a way to feed 5,000 people, 20,000 people at a time. The needs in this world will, will never end. There's all kinds of needs. And it's part of God's desire to restore a broken world. Because we live in a world where there's winners and losers. But God is trying to restore something different. Something and with something that we see in the early church where they met the needs of each other as a church family, but they also met the needs of others in the world as well. And in that way, they, become, they became and we can become uh, an, an incredible light to something different, to a different way of living where, where there's no longer people that li- are living forgotten or living on the margins or those that are suffering because... They're the losers in a broken world. And so um, one, one guy who, who I kind of look up to, he says this. He says, my experience has shown that when we welcome people from this world of anguish, brokenness, and depression, and when they gradually discover that they are wanted and loved as they are, and that they have a place then we witness a real transformation. I would even say resurrection. Their tense, angry, fearful, depressed body gradually becomes relaxed, peaceful, and trusting. And this shows through the expression on the face and through their whole body. And as they discover a sense of belonging, that they are part of a family, then they will learn to live as this begins to emerge. And I think that's a a good description of what God is desiring for us as we try to serve, share this love, to share this new life that we're experiencing in Christ. That others can see, wow, there is an alternate plan. There is another way. I don't have to live being completely caught up in myself. But I can become a part of a bigger family, a bigger calling, a bigger vision that only my creator God can give me. And so in some way, we try to make a difference when we see people in need or when we see people being treat, treated unfairly. And, and uh, we're called to do this in Ecuador and we're called to do this here in Victoria as well. And so doesn't, I think it doesn't matter how long we've been following Christ or if this is the first time you're hearing about this new way of life, 
we all will always have more room for growth, right? What is God calling you to today? What does he need for you to change so that his life can take root so that you can grow deeper in him? That's the question. When are we, uh, are we willing to give up control of our egos so that God can enter in and, and start molding us and, and so that his, this, the light of his son will shine through us so that he can water us with his love and plant us firmly in the soil of his spirit. And this is my prayer for the people in Ecuador who we will have to leave behind on a daily basis as we transfer and back to transition back to life in Canada. It's my prayer for the people in Brazil that we've been able to share with and it's, it's my prayer for you as a church. And we're grateful this morning. We can't put into words how grateful we are that the church here in Victoria was able to share your abundance with our family so that we could try in some way share some of God's love and His grace with the people in both Ecuador and Brazil over the last 11 years. It's been a wonderful experience for us, and we know that part of that is because of, of, of your, uh, your, your willingness to partner with us in financially and, and prayerfully. And so we'll, we'll be thankful this morning, and we'll be praying and I, uh, for the people that we've been able to, to touch, and, and we'll be thinking for ourselves, how is God calling us to be part of a deeper life with Him? And so this morning, uh, we'll finish in prayer, but if in any way you're being called to explore this in a deeper way, I know that the church here, the, the leadership here would love to have that conversation with you. And so we'll invite you this morning, if we can help you in any way on, in your spiritual walk, to have a deeper life in Christ. So let's finish with prayer. Thank you, God. We're so grateful for this letter we see how much the gospel changes lives, how much it changes the lives of the people of us who have received this gospel and who, can, who, can, who have had our lives changed because of your son. We're truly grateful. And, and, and to be able to share that with others, to be able to grow into a family, that's what we want to be a part of, God. We want to grow. We want to know you more. And we want to be used by you more, God. And so in any way this morning, if, we, if uh, any way that your spirit is speaking to us this morning, God, we pray that you will, that we will put aside our egos so that we'll humble ourselves so that you may lift us up with your powerful hand. God, we're thankful, we're grateful, I'm grateful for the incredible adventures and, and life in your kingdom. We, we see the wonderful things that you're able to do in other parts of the world and we know that you desire to do those in our lives right here. And I pray for this congregation, I pray for each person here this morning, God. Speak to our hearts and mold us more and deeper into you and into your life. And we pray this all in your son's name, amen. Que Dios nos bendiga.